Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. You said last week, John, that you now believe in jet lag. After you made that comment, we both caught red-eye flights home from Vegas on Thursday night. I needed two naps Friday and a couple of good nights sleep over the weekend to recover, and I'm still waking up about a half hour later than usual. How long did it take you to fully get your body back on East Coast time? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, funny you should ask. Um, you know, it's weird. After a dreadful red-eye experience in September, uh, come back from Napa Valley for a family wedding, um, I was dreading this all over again. And uh, But it's weird. This plane had TVs, mm-hmm. and without headphones, I still was able to watch a banal episode of Friends. And, wait, is there <laughs> any other kind? I'm not sure. <laughs> Season one, does that matter? I don't know. Uh, then a Modern Family rerun. It's the one where Claire's husband shows himself to be kind of a doofus. You probably know the one. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, sounds like a lot of them, but I'm I'm well, a little offended. You just called him Claire's husband and not Phil Dunphy, the great oh, character Dunphy, that he is. Yeah, yes. yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and then there was some rom com about millennials who each need like a plus one for about ten upper crust weddings in the Northeast. They attend one summer, like the Hamptons or Cape Cod or something. And mm. it was really dumb, but apparently I can be easily distracted. But <laughs> then after all that little snooze, and we're in the home stretch and multiple naps on Friday, and I was good to go. All right. That's that's funny that you uh, entertained yourself uh, in that particular way, the, the whole flight home. I uh, I actually managed to sleep almost my entire flight, but uh, as you can see from my description uh, earlier, it was not nearly enough. Uh, what, what I learned on this trip is that getting about four hours sleep a night for four nights in a row is not ideal. Uh, just uh, really caught up with me. You know that saying, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead? Uh, well, the problem is uh, I'm, I'm going to be dead a lot sooner if I don't occasionally get some sleep. Uh, it's funny. That, that was one of my lines when I was young was sleep when I'm dead. And uh, I, I was at the Venetian, though, and not to uh, plug Sheldon Adelson's uh, uh, <laughs> crib there, but uh, the beds were awesome. I slept great. Okay. Well, look at you. Line in Uncle Sheldon's pockets here on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) In any case, uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 62 of Gamble On, a podcast that is far too entertaining to ever fall asleep to. Uh, If you missed any of our previous 61 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. 
iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. You know the drill. Subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell three friends about Gamble On, and tell each of them to tell three friends about Gamble On. The more members of hashtag Gamble On Nation, the merrier. Uh, Gamble On Nation. Love it. Hashtag. That's even better. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, Eric, coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by a genuine NFL Hall of Famer, uh, the man who holds the record for most games played in league history, place kicker Morton Anderson. Um, the interview was conducted in person last week at uh, the G2E conference in Las Vegas we attended, uh, which is why the sound quality will be noticeably different when you get to that segment of the podcast, and also why my partner Eric's voice will sound quite a bit different. Um, since you party too hard and Vegas and lost your voice or so you'll or so you'll probably claim I'm right. skeptical but I uh, didn't I didn't see any evidence of that but um, yeah Morton is the global ambassador for our parent company Better Collective of Denmark and he's from Denmark too by the way yep. and that's why he was at G2E signing footballs and talking about the gambling industry so we think you'll enjoy the interview quite a bit but first it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling so let's get to it Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Mobile sports betting is now legal west of Nevada for the first time, as last week the Oregon Lottery's scoreboard app went live. We talked about this when the launch was imminent. Now it's up and running, uh, the first active mobile sports betting monopoly state. And according to Chuck Bauman, senior public affairs officer for the Oregon Lottery, within the first week, more than 18,000 people opened accounts and a million dollars has been wagered, which might sound to some people like a lot, but it really isn't much. It's a little bit like the uh, Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, one million dollars joke uh, to hear <laughs> Bauman brag about that. Anyway, the launch brought with it an element of controversy among the hard core sports bettors, as some on social media noted that winning tickets above certain amounts have various percentages withheld for state and federal income taxes, which screws the gamblers big time because they apparently won't get to subtract losses from wins before having their taxes calculated. So if you lose a $5,000 bet, you're down $5,000. If you win a $5,000 bet, 24% is withheld. So when you factor in the VIG as well, you're only winning about $3,300. Our friend Captain Jack Andrews was among those complaining on Twitter, and the Oregon Lottery's Twitter account responded to him and, uh, to be frank, didn't seem to get it. Uh, John, do you expect the lottery to change this policy in the near future? And if not, is this scoreboard app and sports betting in Oregon overall destined to fail? Yeah, Erica, I think it depends on what your definition of failure is. Um, there are two separate markets of potential legal sports bettors in my mind. Uh, you know, in Nevada, New Jersey, and other states, it's those who are knowledgeable about sports and who are willing to accept the roughly 5% takeout by the house, right? Um, the classic uh, Vegas line. Um, the other market is what Oregon and perhaps Washington, D.C. are going to be chasing. Um, lottery players who are interested in feeling as if there's a little skill involved this time, you know, they just want to bet on the hometown trailblazers maybe in Oregon and they don't really care about the takeout. So, I mean, if Oregon wants to try to cut into the illegal sports betting market, this is a failure. Uh, if they expect to see big wagers and then therefore big profits, well, who's going to be dumb enough to bet big on the margins you note? Um, I think it's a net positive in the long run to see numerous different angles being tempted by a variety of states. Um, this is where I pretend that state legislators will take careful note of which states prove <laughs> the most successful and then adopt those models. Um, it's kind of like the lottery, uh, a dollar and a dream, Eric. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but I, I think you nailed it there with your uh, with, with your breakdown of, of that there are really two different kinds of betters. And uh, yeah, if you're a small stakes better like I am, risking ten bucks, twenty bucks, occasionally twenty five on a game, then it's probably just fine. But you are absolutely getting ripped off if you like to bet big. You have no chance of coming out ahead in the long run, uh, kind of like you know the lottery. Uh, funny how that works. Um, but between what's going on in Washington, D.C. And, and this in Oregon. I don't have a great feeling about these lottery run monopoly systems for sports betting. I, I hate to say it, but, you know, if I'm a guy who lives in Oregon and I play big and I was using offshore books before this, I'm going to keep using them. There is nothing here to persuade me to go legal if I'm that kind of better. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to say, oh, it's great to see different states experiment. And we can learn from that. Um, uh, it's easy for me to say I live 3,000 miles away from there. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, for our next story, we're going to combine two stories into one, just focusing on the sports calendar and some noteworthy betting news across two sports. First, the World Series started on Tuesday night, and the Houston Astros, at about a minus 225 price at the average sports book, were the biggest favorite in a dozen years since the Red Sox were minus minus 240 to beat the Rockies in 2007. Uh, and it's not going well for Mattress Mac and the other Astros betters. Uh, still a ways to go, but as we record this on Thursday morning, the series heads back to Washington with the Nationals leading two games to none. Uh, and the second part of this news item, uh, on the same night the World Series started, the NBA season began. The LA Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the most public team in the league and betters have wagered more money on them to win the championship than any other team. Though at the East Coast books, it's the Philadelphia 76ers who represent the greatest liability. Uh, that's not a big surprise, especially with this being the first NBA season to tip off with legal betting in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm too biased to weigh in. So uh, John, are the Lakers and Sixers both fool's gold in your view? And were you surprised the Nationals were considered such big underdogs, given that they swept through the NLCS and have an elite staff of starting pitchers. Yeah, I mean, I got the Nationals in the series at plus one one ninety two coming in, and uh, and now I wish I bet more money, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, now this is this is seriously this is easily the best pair of trios of starting pitchers to ever face each other in the World Series in a hundred years, and it would be the best quartet if the Astros didn't despise my fellow Southpaws and especially their own Wade Miley. Um, but the starting pitching is phenomenal either way. Um, each Astros pitcher is a little bit better, it seemed, and than their Nationals counterpart. And the Astros bullpen is deeper and better. And the offense seemed a little better too. So I, I guess I made a challenge, but in the end, I was surprised and glad the Nationals got such a big number, and, and I'm on it. Mm -hmm. um, as for the 76ers, um, I think. Uh, whatever number they're at is probably reasonable. They're not likely to win, but they could. Mm -hmm. But for the Lakers, I mean. People, uh, 2012 called to want their LeBron James odds back, or is it 2010 or 2008? <laughs> I can't remember. But, I mean, I don't like this fit with Davis that much anyway. It's not a deep roster. I don't know if LeBron stays healthy all year. I wouldn't bet the Lakers to win a title, and I don't even care what the odds are. Uh, it's just a weird number. What is it? Do we even know roughly what it is? Uh, it's about 4-1, to 5-1, to one, somewhere uh, in that range. They're the, they're the second shortest odds behind only the Clippers. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, please, set your money on fire. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, you know, I, and I said I wasn't going to weigh in on the Sixers, but uh, you know, I'll take this opportunity to just note that after uh, winning their opener against the Celtics on Wednesday night, the Sixers are clearly going to go 82 and 0 and sweep everybody <laughs> in the postseason. I can't see any other possible scenario. Um, but in all seriousness, the Clippers are rightfully the favorite to win it all. Um, after that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think the the true odds on uh, both the Sixers and the Bucks, whichever team comes out of the East, I think those they both should have shorter odds than the Lakers. Um, at no point uh, since the Lakers signed Anthony Davis and gave up a lot to get him have their odds been anywhere close to good value. I, I agree with you totally on that. I mean, you know, they're not a bad team. They'll win 50 or so games. They'll probably be a top four seed in the West, and they might just win the championship, uh, especially if they tinker with their roster and make some moves. But, uh, yeah, four to one, five to one, that's uh, that's crazy for, for that team. Um, the Astros and, and Nats, um, that line was always a little too wide, in my opinion. You know, it, once the Nats eliminated the Dodgers and the remaining NL teams all looked like they were – clearly going to be underdogs in the World Series. FanDuel offered an odds boost to plus 190 on any NL team to win the World Series, uh, and I pounced on it. And then the series started, and you could find better prices than that without an odds boost. Um, You said you got 192. FanDuel actually had Washington at plus 200 initially, and then they offered an odds boost up to 225, which I also pounced on. Um, So I've got a a little bit on plus 190 on any NL team, which is obviously the Nats, and a little bit at plus 225. It's just baseball and hockey both. We've talked about this. They're just too unpredictable. Teams should rarely be a two-to-one underdog in a series, especially in a case like this where the Nats have proven to be a good team and they have excellent pitching and and they're hot and they're coming in rested. Um, It it was just a bad line and a bet on the Astros at minus 225 or whatever. that's, That's just a foolish bet. The question now is whether to take the Astros at plus 225 to come back from 2-0 down. I don't know if you started to think about hedging at all. Uh, I have. I, I'm not betting enough money to make it worth my time, <laughs> but uh, but I have thought about it. But it's funny, here in New York, uh, uh, WFAN Sports Talk Radio host Mike Francesa is a lifelong Yankee fan from the Mickey Mantle days, and he defines every Yankee season when they don't win the World Series as a failure. <laughs> and uh, it's preposterous, obviously, Um but it's entertaining now for 10 straight years. And um, some callers or even Yankee fans calling in are saying, well, if they failed 10 years in a row, why does general manager Brian Cashman still have a job? <laughs> and then he says, well, I wouldn't fire the general manager. And they said, well, how many years in a row can you fail and still keep your job? It's entertaining. Like I said, it's an unreasonable demand of many Yankee fans that they have to win a World Series or it's a failure. But that's how they define it. And that's their problem. Yeah, and uh, the longer that this uh, streak of failure goes on, as a Yankee hater, the more it annoys me that the Phillies lost to them in 2009. Because if the Phillies, not only would I have another Phillies championship to uh, brag about, but it, uh, imagine how uh, how self-loathing and frustrated Yankees fans would be if they hadn't. Win. I guess the, their drought would go back to 2000. I guess yes. if uh, if not for 2009. So yeah. Yes, although A Rod carried the Yankees, so you got to be happy about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we wrap up the news segment with an offbeat story and a negative story for sports betting, although maybe a positive story for legal sports betting. A 19-year-old University of Alabama student named Connor Bruce Kroll was arrested after— uh, the, three, the three names, though. Yes. That's really scary. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably going to assassinate a president at some no, point with, uh, with those names. Far, but... <laughs> All right, well, let's just agree that we can't rule out that he has assassination in his future. Can we agree on that? Uh, no comment. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he was arrested after making a bomb threat to LSU's Tiger Stadium during the LSU Florida game, and allegedly, Kroll made the call 
because he wanted to stop the game because a friend was in danger of losing a lot of money betting on it. Here's the thing. In Louisiana, where the game was played, sports betting isn't legal. In Alabama, where Kroll attends college, sports betting isn't legal. It is legal at brick-and-mortar establishments in nearby Mississippi, but not for a 19-year-old, although we don't know the age of Kroll's friend who supposedly made the bet. But it would seem, John, that if indeed Kroll made the bomb threat because of a friend's sports bet, chances are good that bet was made illegally, either with a bookie or an offshore site. So would you say that this is the kind of story states trying to pass sports betting legislation should cite in the months and years ahead as an argument in favor of regulating sports betting? Oh, man. Uh, I would say hell to the no. Uh, <laughs> okay. The people still say that, uh, especially white people. I'm not sure. You pulled but it off, I think. I did. Okay. All right. Uh, no, at no legislative hearing would I ever recommend using the words bomb threat and sports betting in any context, <laughs> uh, the same paragraph, sentence, or even hearing. Um, you could fit the understanding of many legislators about sports betting in a thimble and still have room for your thread, I would say. So uh, any shiny objects going to distract them. If they hear bomb threat, they're going to be, no, 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 we don't want that bomb threat thing. So no, no, no. Okay. Uh, well, I will add then you'll you'll be happy to know that the story didn't get a ton of traction, uh, maybe because there was a lot of supposition involved in the betting angle and very little in the way of detail there. You know, we've seen plenty of sports betting stories go viral over the past year or so, either getting mainstream coverage or getting shared all over social media. This flew under the radar in a relative sense. So uh, I'm guessing this won't end up being a major talking point for either the pro sports betting legalization or anti sports betting legalization crowd. Uh, but it still serves as a reminder that, you know, whether you legalize it or not, people are going to do it. Yeah, uh, but the the two first names uh, out of three uh, was a great angle. I thought it would uh, play much better in the national media. <laughs> it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. We are pleased to welcome now to the podcast... Something a little different than our typical guest. We have never had a former professional athlete on Gamble On before, and we have certainly never had a Hall of Fame former professional athlete, but we are welcoming one now, the great former NFL place kicker and 2017 inductee of the NFL Hall of Fame, Morton Anderson. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, Morton, I want to follow up. Uh, if anybody heard last week's uh, episode, I talked to I had talked to Amani Toomer, the Giants wide receiver, mm -hmm. and um, he kind of confirmed what my sense has been covering pro athletes since the 1980s, which is uh, uh, gamblers will not believe generally how little athletes know about gambling while they're True. playing. Uh, he said even after he retired after a long career, uh, he had to be taught exactly how a point spread worked. Uh, after having played all those years in the NFL, yep. and I think some of that's true. Now you you played with the Giants, kind of a laid back culture, uh, button down. Uh, you play with a half dozen teams. Um, uh, in your experience for yourself, and then also for your teammates, uh, how much awareness was there about gambling, money lines, you name yeah, it? Very very little. And it, it's funny that there was this false sense, this notion that oh, you're kicker, so people must have been trying to bribe you, try to get you to throw the game for money. And it, literally, I can say in 25 years, and I played longer than anybody. Uh, let alone, uh, you know, besides George Bland, I played more games than anybody. In none of those 382 regular season games was I ever approached by anybody who was going was trying to to affect the game uh, by bribing uh, bribing a player that I'm aware of. And so, you're right. Uh, Amani was a, a teammate of mine with the Giants, great great player, and we lived in this uh, ignorant bliss, you know. 
right. just was never really a priority for us. We were much more interested in making the process of the, the preparation for the game as powerful as possible and uh, really didn't have any time uh, to, to even focus on that part, you know? Right. So, so it was never really anything that was even brought up either. Right. And But so even, uh, you know, nobody was bribing you or anything like that, but was it ever just in the back of your mind a sort of a form of pressure thinking... No. Besides, obviously, you've got your own pressure as a place kicker. It's important to make that kick. But do, does it ever, does it ever cross your mind if people have money riding on, on this? No, or never no, thought. Really and I would have guys. You know, I've had guys come up to me afterwards and go, "You cost me a lot of money." I said, "Well, you, you poor better." You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And you, you know, and I say, "Hey, you won me a lot of money." I say, "Where's my half?" You know, so I could I could play it any way I wanted. Right, exactly. So, you know, just never crossed my mind. Never really entered into the equation at all uh, about. You know, pressure only happens anyway when your skill set doesn't match the task. That's when you feel the pressure. And so we were I was focused as a player really on just trying to maximize those short times I was out there. Yeah. Didn't really think about the ramifications. I was trying to win the game. Yeah. Now so about one us. thing that was a little different than, than real professional gambling, but uh, your era goes back to uh, uh, fantasy football, like traditional season long, and guys have their roster and yeah. you're their kicker all year. Yeah. Um, honestly, you can say it now, uh, statute of limitations up. Uh, yeah. How annoying was that when these fans are coming up to you in a lobby or whatever? Yeah, that, that got, you know, I, I go way back to Nintendo's Tecmo Bowl. I was yeah. the first okay. kicker on Tecmo. <laughs> And um, and then I got a lot of street cred last year when I was on Madden 2019. My 15-year-old go, he's playing me as a legend. So <laughs> okay. it's come full circle that way. But, um, you know, it, it, the fantasy sports can get a little annoying, you know, when somebody says, hey, you're my kicker and you, you're doing great and maybe I had a bad game and didn't score the points <laughs> you need to, they needed. So yeah. it, it, you just take it with a grain of salt and realize that they're, they're, they're gaming, you know. That's what they're doing. Um, with the spreading legalization of sports betting, now obviously in Europe it's been legal much longer than, than here. But have you gotten into the betting side of it at all have, since your career ended? Have you just ever on the casual of it? side, okay. just casually, uh, you know, learning more about it? And that's what's great about Better Collective that I represent is uh, that they, with their platforms and their marketing affiliates, they've acquired these great sites that educate and empower the iGamer. So I'm learning a lot through Vegas Insider, uh, DFS, through Roto, Roto Grinders, and um, BettingExpert.com. So a lot of these sites that we have now are really there to, to empower and to educate in a transparent way, and I think in turn make the whole experience of sports betting above board, in compliance, and more fun and entertaining. And that's really what it ought to be. Full disclosure, of course. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Bets is one of those sites as well. So yeah, uh, that's right. U.S. Bets. So, yeah, so we're it. we're yeah. all part of the same uh, family. Yeah, that's just right. So the listeners know. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I didn't have time to mention all of the sites right. that we right. have acquired. Exactly. So. so, so we talked about the fantasy football, and yeah, honestly, fans could. Uh, you know, uh, go on and on about their own teams and talking to you, and yeah. it's a little much. Uh, Daily Fantasy Sports is that on steroids, obviously. Every week, you know, they, they don't have you all season. They have you one one week if you're an active player. Um, yes. Can you imagine that would be more annoying? And have you heard from current players that say, like, oh, these guys are really driving me nuts? <laughs> no, not really, because well, you, when you're out of the game, you're out of the game. Yeah. Uh, but I think in-game betting is going gonna, is gonna to be the next wave for sure, where you can, in real time, place your bets on on plays that are coming up that's that's a really interesting concept for me in the in the, in, the, in this space that uh, makes it very uh, real you know and and uh, and present and, and relevant to to the better but that, that that requires of the better that they're paying t- 
I mean, they got to be pretty prepared to, yep. to do in, you know, they got to do the homework for that game if they're going to do in in game betting, right. unless they're just winging it, you know, <laughs> and uh, throwing throwing up a coin, you know. So I have to ask you about something that's very much in the news this season is the the officiating, the refereeing. Yeah. Certainly there's been a, talk, a lot of talk around all sports of this term, integrity, and how sports betting threatens the integrity of the game. Well, with or without it, their refereeing is, is an issue, and especially so this season, and certainly the, uh, the Packers game uh, against the <laughs> Lions. Well, as an ex-player, when you see these games where the officials are making bad calls or the, the replays are seems with these pass interference uh, replays they never overturn it no matter how obvious it is how tough is it to sit back and, and watch these games and the yeah. jobs the referees well the one that doing? comes to mind is the NFC championship game last year when the Saints clearly were I mean we the Rams committed pass interference uh, at a very crucial time in that football game that affected the outcome of the game now you can argue and say well the Saints should have scored touchdowns in the first quarter versus field goals they should have stopped them not to force overtime they could have so a lot of other things the Saints could have done but that's a case where you just can't make that mistake and that should be a reviewable play that should have been overturned right and there are numerous examples from, from every game every week where you can say there's a handful of plays that we need to have something in place that quickly can I mean it's it's plain to see to everyday fan or plain to see for those referees on the field and if if they got it wrong let's fix it and make it right I came to. I covered about a thousand NBA games, mostly the 1990s, courtside. So I'm sitting right there, mm-hmm. and I finally came to realize watching these games and not having a rooting interest in it that, yeah. you know, if there's 10 seconds left in a tie game and you have the ball, you know, at that point your team has failed to do what it needs to do. Because if it's up 10 points, it doesn't matter what happens. So now you put yourself in a box where if a referee makes a mistake, one mistake, you lose the game. Yeah. So both teams at that point have failed, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I've never convinced a single fan of this, but I gave it a shot. <laughs> Uh, but one last thing for me, um, talking about the evolution of uh, everything from fantasy football to daily fantasy to mm-hmm. now sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that, um, is the new athlete coming into the NFL, a rookie this year, uh, are they in the same spot you were in a sense of they probably don't know much about gambling, they don't care, even though it's legal in all these states and a lot of stadiums, uh, they're betting legally inside the stadium, but they're going to be in the same bubble probably you were? They, they should they should protect themselves from, from from that environment because it is illegal for a current player to partake in sports betting. I mean, you can do it as an ex-player. I can do it now legally in, in states that it's legal. But as a player, you just can't compromise the game and the result of the game. And that would be a conflict of interest. And I so I think they're in the same boat that we were, and, uh, and that's how it should be. All right, well, this has been fantastic. Better Collective Ambassador and yes. NFL Hall of Famer. Global Ambassador. Very <laughs> Global fancy, ambassador. very fancy. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank Ryan. you. Thanks, Martin. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first we update our betting bankroll. And boy, oh boy, is my back hurting from carrying this team right now. (laughs) I I kid, of course. Over the long haul, our individual successes and failures have generally evened out, I think. But this past week, 
our relationship felt a lot like a marriage. I earned a bunch of money and John spent it all. <laughs> I, sure, I sure hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> um, here's what happened. Uh, counting my boxing bet from the week before, I went three for three, whereas John went 0 for two. He had Oregon to win by more than 12 and a half. They only won by four. And he had Arizona State to cover a 13 point spread, and they ended up losing by 18. So those two combined cost us $220. On the positive side, Arthur Betterbiev knocked out Alexander Gvozdik at even money. That earned us $100. The Saints delivered at plus $146 on the money line at Chicago, so we won $146. And the Thursday night football player prop streak remained intact, and we had the pleasure of sweating this one together, watching Tyreek Hill haul in a 57-yard touchdown to win us another $100. In so, Las Vegas, in Las Vegas, we should add. That's right. We, we sweated in Las Vegas. It was funny. You were getting up to leave to head to the airport, and you stuck I around was. just long enough to, to see that one play, and we exchanged some high fives along with uh, our colleague Matt Rybaltowski, and then you were out the door. Yes, it was. <laughs> so when all was said and done, we won $126, leaving us in the red by $271, and we have $2,317 on hold in futures bets, meaning we have $7,412 available to bet with this week, and you're up first, John. Uh, well, Eric, you'll remember, I, I did say last week that I thought your Thursday night player prop was the surest winner of the four, even before I made my own picks, and it turned <laughs> out to be right. Uh, so my streak remains respectable spread losses, too, in my defense, which is not much of a defense, but, um, <laughs> and I've been winning real money off of late in micro doses from the, the Patriots, Jets, and the the, uh, the World Series and everything else. So you can flame <laughs> away, and doesn't doesn't hurt me. Um <laughs> Now on to the week. Uh, I saw some Ohio State minus 14.5 numbers against a rather enigmatic Wisconsin team, uh, but I see it uh, got it last night at uh, minus 14 on DraftKings. And so at that number, give me 110 for 100, which is what they offered. Uh, I dislike Ohio State intensely still, but they're really, really good. All right. Um, well, I feel duty-bound to keep betting these Thursday night football player props for as long as the streak is alive. Right now it's at four, so let's go for five. The game this week is Washington at Minnesota, and this one is pretty easy. Uh, if you read the NJ.com article this week where I was asked for a Thursday night football prop, you know the direction I'm going with this, although for that article we had to use points bet props, and frankly I don't like their lines as much as some other sites uh, with regard to these player props. So I'm using one I found on FanDuel. Uh, this is going to be another big week for Dalvin Cook. He's rushed for more than 100 yards in five of seven games, and Washington's defense funnels toward the run. Their pass defense is ranked a respectable 12th in the league, but their run defense is 27th in the league. Running backs just feast on this defense, and Cook is certainly an elite running back. And the game script figures to get him plenty of usage. It's unlikely that Minnesota is playing from behind and needing to pass a lot. So the line at FanDuel is 90 and a half rushing yards for Cook. I have to pay a minus 112 VIG, so be it. I'm risking 112 to win 100 on over 90 and a half yards. I uh, love that one, too. It makes all sense in the world. So um, you may remember I enjoyed my epic battle last year trying to coax the Spurs to the under and uh, not quite making it uh, last spring. But right. um, this year I'm going to stay in the West, but I'm going over Portland at 46 and a half wins in your wheelhouse. Uh, Demian Lillard has to stay healthier. I'm dead, obviously. But otherwise, the depth is there to handle someone else getting sidelined. Um, Blazers, by the way, have gone over in the last in five of the last six seasons. So why not again this year? All right, and how much uh, how much are we risking on that one? Yeah, we'll do the 110 to win 100. I'm not that confident. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, all right, uh, we have another good weekend in the boxing world. Uh, fights on Saturday on Showtime, ESPN, and DAZN. And my favorite fight to bet 
is a heavyweight undercard fight in Britain, Derek Chisora versus David Price. You may recall I won picking Chisora by knockout his last time out. I'm doing it again here. Uh, Price is a former hot prospect who turned out to have no chin and no stamina. Uh, Chisora is minus 175 to win by knockout. So let's risk 175 to win 100 on that result. Well, I, I now have Showtime for three months for free because my cable company had all kinds of problems and everything, and I negotiated myself into something free. So that's another channel that I cannot watch boxing on, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, if you, if you change your mind, there is some boxing this Saturday night on Showtime, uh, uh-huh. says the guy who uh, does a Showtime podcast on the side and uh, is, <laughs> is plugging away here. Uh, all right. <laughs> Hey, nothing wrong with cross-promotion, right? Um, We close things out with the Fast Five, where for the second week in a row, we both went three and two. I generally avoid bitching about bad beats and near misses here, since those things tend to even out over the course of a full season and 85 picks. But I'm just going to whine quickly about getting unlucky with the 49ers at minus nine and a half last week. They ended up a half point short, and that rain in Washington made it nearly impossible to score a touchdown. I, I think in normal weather, the Niners cover. Uh, oh, well, little bad luck. I still went three and two. You did as well. We both have to be happy with that. Uh, you're still in the lead with a solid record of 19, 15, and one. And I'm a couple games back at exactly 517, 17, and one. And it's my turn to go first this week. And I'm backing some dogs. I'm taking four dogs, including three road dogs among my five picks. First, I think the Texans are slightly overvalued, six and a half points over the Raiders when these teams are actually closely matched, I think. So I I like the Raiders there. You know, if it was five or five and a half, I'd stay away. But at six and a half, I think there's value on this not quite awful Oakland team. Uh, Speaking of teams that are slightly overvalued, the 49ers are due for a loss soon. It could be this week. I think giving five and a half points against a Panthers team that has won four straight and might be better off with Kyle Allen than Cam Newton. And I'm not saying he's better than Cam, but maybe a game manager who doesn't turn the ball over, which allows them to rely on uh, Christian McCaffrey more. Maybe that's just what this team needs. Anyway, plus five and a half is a little wide in my view. So give me Carolina. Uh, Five and a half points isn't too wide for the Colts hosting the Broncos. The Broncos are turning into sellers already. They traded Emmanuel Sanders. I like Indy to cover. Uh, And by the way, I had a bet on the Colts to win the Super Bowl that I made early in the offseason. I think it was with FanDuel and they refunded the bet, a goodwill refund, after Luck retired. (laughs) I didn't have the option to decline the refund. What happens if they win the Super Bowl? I don't (laughs) think they will, uh, but I'm curious. Does FanDuel pay those out, or is the thinking, well, we refunded you. You had the option to reinvest at longer odds if you still believed in the Colts, and you didn't do that, so too bad. I I don't know the answer. I'm just just putting the question out there. I think that second one is probably (laughs) Probably so. All right, so I'm not rooting for the Colts to win the Super Bowl. Um, (laughs) So, uh, so far I've backed uh, Kyle Allen. I've backed Jacoby Brissett. I obviously believe in backup quarterbacks. And yes, that includes Matt Moore. Uh, Green Bay is not quite as good as their record indicates. I mean, they lost to the lowly Eagles after all. Uh, The Packers are favored by four in Kansas City uh, because Mahomes is almost certainly out. I can't believe this talk that he might play this week. I don't think he will. But uh, that's why the Packers are four-point favorites on the road. But I think Matt Moore is competent, and the Chiefs still have plenty of weapons. I see them rising to the occasion, and if not winning, at least covering the four-point spread. Um, And lastly, Miami is the worst team in the NFL by design. 
but they've been frisky the last couple of weeks, and the Steelers are not good enough to be favored by 14 points against anyone, even the Dolphins. I did take the Steelers in my survivor pool. I'm uh, I'm one of about 2,000 left standing in the FanDuel survivor pool from a starting field of, of 21,000 or so. Uh, so I'm counting on the Steelers to win, but I am not counting on them to win by 14 points. I got the Dolphins. All right. Uh, I'm going to top your, uh, your dog-loving uh, self, and okay. I got five road dogs wow. I, I okay didn't notice it until i uh <laughs> I finished the picks and said well that's who i picked um let's start with the chargers plus four over the bears um the bears have a good defense they really do they have some great all pro players um they're a bad team uh chargers <laughs> have have not shown practically in any game that they're a bad team um i'm getting four trubisky plays he doesn't plays who cares i mean they're they're no better off with them or without them. It's a uh, uh, it's a nice uh, field goal plus to get on the Chargers. Um, then uh, your Eagles plus one and a half against the Bills. Uh, the Bills are really good because I I don't know what they they got a a, a late like cheap cover touchdown a last minute against the Dolphins that didn't cover. It was like a four point game and they made it eleven or whatever. Um, they did not show themselves to be better than the Dolphins last week in fifty five minutes. Um, so, uh, and your Eagles are, are frisky. They're pesky. They're feisty, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they they uh, weren't any of those things against the Cowboys last week, but true, in general, I agree with you. They're yeah. a little healthier and then they, they do, they're plucky or something. Um, <laughs> Cardinals plus 10 and a half against the Saints. Saints have been great, which were Teddy Bridgewater. I get it. Uh, Cardinals have won three in a row. Yeah. You know, they didn't beat the greatest teams, but uh, anybody else who seems to win three in a row, like the Bills or whoever, suddenly they're the, the next team, and the Cardinals get no respect at all. I mean, the Saints are going to probably win this game, but give me ten and a half, and I'm comfortable. Um, and then a couple of yours here, too. Uh, Panthers plus five and a half yeah, against the 49ers. Uh, um, sorry, 49ers, I'm not, still not all in on that one. So yeah. uh, I like it. And also the Dolphins, uh, same reason you were Plus 14 uh, in Pittsburgh. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has left the building. He's not there. So uh, second string, third string, who cares? Quarterback. <laughs> the Dolphins are, you know, they're just like basically bad. They're not horrendous. The Steelers have no business with a backup quarterback giving 14 points to anybody. Yeah, I'm I'm not usually in the business of predicting which picks you're going to make. But as I was looking through these, I thought it was an absolute lock. You were going to go with the <laughs> Dolphins right along with me. You love when the line is just way too big uh, for, for the team to cover, especially we, we agree the Steelers. That's you know, it's not this isn't the Patriots hosting the Dolphins and being favored by two touchdowns. This is this is the Steelers. That, that line seems uh, seems just way too big. I'm, I'm mystified by it. I still have a pretty good team in general and their defense is good, but uh, yeah, I don't see it. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Morton Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple podcast app. And with that, John, please take us out. You know, Eric, it's kind of a magical weekend ahead for me, as you may know. Uh, on February 12, 2003, New Jersey officials gave the go-ahead to the Meadowlands Xanadu Project. Um, this is the time period where Colin Powell gave his important thumbs up to the Iraq War to the U.N. Uh, Michael Jordan was about to score 44 points against the New Jersey Nets for the Washington Wizards. Um, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey were starring in the chick flick How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. 
was number one at the box office. And that same week, uh, again, Xanadu was approved. And, and now, what it seems like only decades later, uh, <laughs> we're about to see Xanadu spawn American Dream Meadowland have a partial debut on Friday. Um, it's the indoor amusement park opening along with an ice skating rink and a candy store called Itch Sugar. I mean, that seems like an American dream indeed. Um, as far as what's the gambling tie? Well, you know, $5 billion has been spent on this thing over the years, and we don't know if it's going to draw anything but crickets or have so many people that will have Carmageddon. So um, I personally can hardly wait to find out. And for the rest of you, uh, until next time, gamble on.